Hello, everybody, and welcome on into what I am very sad to report is the final episode of Great Quarter Gals. Here for the last time, I'm Kaylee Nix with my lovely co-host, Grace Sharkey. Grace, after two years, it's the end of an era. Wow, it feels longer than two years, to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, it's a sad, sad day, bad day, but uh, happy, of course, to to include such wonderful women in content over the last couple of years that, uh, of course, I enjoy doing the show with you, but I think just introducing our audience, right, to all these incredible uh, people that have been a part of so many different supply chains has been just an absolute blast. It's been quite the joy to see this project come from thoughts to fruition to taking over what was the bro fest of great quarter guys and making it into this positive uplifting space for women. We've talked to so many incredible people throughout the last two years, and I'm excited to see how this ripple effect goes going forward. Grace, we have two final interviews for today, and I'll first talk about our first one. We're going to be chatting with CPKC's Caitlin Owens about their holiday train initiative that they did over the holiday season. She takes us through a travel all the way from the Midwest up into the far reaches of Canada, and not just about their one, but about their four different holiday train programs. So we're going to hear that. Who else are we hearing from today on our final episode? Well, we're also going to be talking with Fluid Trucks Chief Legal Officer, uh, Jennifer Snyder. She's an absolute gem, full of energy, uh, the opposite of most lawyers. I'll just say that. Uh, so she, she's kept the personality through everything and uh, has been a part of, uh, of course, bringing some really interesting solutions uh, through Fluid Truck. I would highly suggest go check out their website after the, the show, but uh, you'll, you'll actually get to learn a lot from her leadership and the different companies that she's been with. And she's even admits some of like uh, the faults and ways that she's grown through those uh, different career paths. So uh, interesting episode. I think that we're, we're leaving, leaving everyone with this, of course. It's going to be a great show. And I won't do any of our female guests a disservice by saying that this is going to be the best or by disparaging them in any way. But I think that this is going to be a great note to end on. And we'll be back to close up your show at the very, very end. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Our final two guests of Great Quarter Gals. Take it away. We'll start off with Caitlin Owens. And I'm very excited today for our Great Quarter Gals fan group out there because we actually have a new face for everyone to meet as well as we uh, wrap up, of course, this wonderful month here. And then we have Caitlin Owens actually joining us from CPKC, which is actually, Caitlin, you might be one of our first rail uh, gals to uh, join us on the show. So I want to thank you so much for uh, being a part of us. Well, thank you. It was a treat when Kaylee reached out. So I'm glad to join you today. Uh, Braille was new to me as well, and it was kind of tricky to kind of come from the outside in because I didn't know anybody at a class on railroad, and uh, getting into the industry and figuring out uh, was an adventure this past year. Well, and also one that's gone through quite a, I mean, historical merger. I want to get to that a little bit later, but let's let's focus on you and that exact aspect. Let's talk about the role that you have currently. It looks like uh, you're managing or directing the brand strategy as a whole, which uh, I, I think is interesting, especially seeing what the railroads have gone through over the last couple of years with labor issues. And of course, like I said, this, this big merger as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the role and, and how it's evolved for you as well? Sure. So my background was uh, over the road trucking and final mile. And I made that leap to CP or Canadian Pacific just prior to day one. 
uh, which meant that in April, I got to be boots on the ground for the combination with Kansas City Southern to make CPKC, uh, one of the biggest brand launches that I've ever been a part of. And I was really impressed by the legacies of both companies because they date back to the 1800s, as well as the size. Uh, now that we're combining uh, U.S., Canada, and Mexico, that's 20,000 miles of network and 20,000 railroaders. That it's incredible. And it's, it's interesting because to give you a tad bit of my background as well, I come from brokerage over the road kind of uh, niche there. And, and I recently, well, recently, last couple of years took on the Freightways radio show and rail was probably the one area where whenever we do our rail days on the, on the show, I, I, I almost get like anxious because I'm just, I, I, I like going to topics I know about, you know, I know I can lead a conversation that way. And this is one that over the last couple of years, I feel like I've grown not only to to learn and have a, a nice knowledge in this uh, mode of transportation, but I've just respected so much more. I mean, even just uh, looking at how people tra tra treat railroad crossings or, or what they think of as a rail career has completely swapped for me. So I'm interested from, from your point of view, especially in this role of a brand strategy, how have you... I, I maybe grown your knowledge in the rail industry as a whole, but also work to to push that out to consumers and, and shippers alike. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so first step was to understand the unique culture of you know each of the companies that were coming together, and then see what we have in common and elevate that. Uh, like I said, it was a bit of a mystery coming in, but now I've ridden in a head locomotive. I've been all over the network. I lived on a train and now I'm a railroader, but it is wild to me that such a massive part of our supply chain that has been there for over a hundred years and, you know, built the countries is still such like this secretive area. So I will, I'm so excited to tell you a little bit more about what I'm doing um, to try and get that story out there as our conversation goes along. Well, I want to start with what really brought you here to begin with. And this was uh, Kaylee had found some really interesting photos and, and posts that you made on your holiday train program. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And of course, we'll show our audience some of the pictures alike because uh, as a big Christmas fan over here, I love to see the holiday joy. But can you tell us what started this initiative? Sure. Well, since we combined two companies with their legacies, there's actually four trains. Uh, we'll start with the holiday train program, since that's the one that I lived on for eight days on the 27 stops between Minneapolis and Calgary. Uh, that, that one goes through our U.S. and uh, Canada network. Uh, it began 25 years ago with Canadian Pacific. Uh, the format is to visit the towns uh, along our network, and it's a beautifully illuminated musical train with a special box car that opens where we have uh, performing artists give a live free concert uh, to raise money for the local food banks in that area. Uh, it, this year, it's, uh, I am sorry, can I restart that one? Perfect. All right, let me take a little look at that one. There is just a lot of numbers that come with the holiday train. So get that one straight. Um, all right, I'll start again. So because we had two companies combining each with their own legacy, there are actually four trains, uh, two of which are holiday train for U.S. and Canada. And since I rode with that one, I'll start with it. I know it the best. I spent eight days living on it from Minneapolis to Calgary, where we did 27 stops. 
It is a beautifully illuminated musical train. It's playing music at all times uh, when we're going through your area. And it has a special box car that transforms into a stage. We bring out uh, professional artists, musicians, and they do a live show at each stop along our network to raise money for the area um, food banks. We would do between two to seven shows a day. And the scenery is absolutely breathtaking. I have so much respect for those beautiful areas of uh, our network in the United States and in Canada. Um, this year, we did a record 191 stops. And each day, we would do between two to seven stops. It just depended on how far we had to go. And for parts of it, we would have writers come on board. And they would get to join us between the stops. That was a really special program for our employees to get to share you know, their railroad experience with their families. That's really cool. It's uh, well, especially like one of uh, uh, what is it the the or not the Holiday Express, but the um, the movie with um, oh, I'm forgetting his name now. Tom Hanks, uh, right? The where he it takes all the kids to the North Pole. Like gives me that energy, oh, right? Like. Express. The Polar yes. Express. There yes. you go. Yes. I'm glad you said Holiday <laughs> Express because that is uh, the third train in our four train program. And that locomotive is called Rudy, affectionately. And that's a different setup. It visited our southern U.S. stops. Uh, what's really neat about that program is it also has a great legacy starting with Kansas City Southern. And you'll see parents who went to go see Rudy when they were kids. Now they're bringing their kids out there. But uh, we have elves and Santa on the train. We stay a while so you get to interact with it. Uh, and then our fourth train is Train Navideño. And that goes through our Mexico network where we have a little more limitations. So if fewer stops, it's mostly for our employees, but it is also just beautifully decorated. Each one's so unique and fun in their own way. Was this an initiative that you started or has this been going on for a while now? Oh my goodness. Um, all of these have lengthy legacies. The holiday train program uh, started in 1993. So this was the uh, 25th year. Wow, that's awesome, uh, and it's it's such a what's it's like a classical way of of really spending the holidays, you know, like at this this old form. I don't even want to say old form of transportation because we clearly take it today. My sister actually uh, took the train home for the holidays too, just to get that beautiful scenery, like you're talking about, right? Um, it's I think it's a you know, let's. I hope that we're bringing a passenger train back, and I hope that people consider, you know, enjoying not only the experience more, but even just that that uh, the going through different towns and seeing different parts of America and being able to uh, enjoy kind of this this pastime that we I think we take for granted. And that's what's really cool about your job is like I think that aspect, right? It's like. Uh, until we really talked about uh, through COVID, like uh, what would happen if supply chains just stopped? Or, I mean, even when last year we got very close to some uh, midnight hours of, of shutting down railroads because of, of employee issues. Like, I th again, I think we just take this, this mode for granted in, in particular. So what's it like for you and your work every day, like knowing that you get to help bring that forward and, and showcase to people, you know, what this mode is about and just it's, it's, I think legacy is like the best way to explain it. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the best way is to reach the community. And, you know, that's one thing that we did this year with the holiday train that we do every year. But since we had that record 191 stops, we raised a record $1.8 million donated and 160,000 pounds of food. Uh, but the coolest part about each of those donation numbers is that every dollar given 
and every pound collected stays within that local community. So it's really about people coming together, you know, around the holidays, around this train, around this tradition, and then supporting their their neighbors and eat. So um, I, I did learn uh, they call it food shelf in North Dakota. So um, partway through the uh, performance, we bring out a local representative, usually a mayor. I even got to meet a member of parliament and then a representative of the food bank to do one of those fun big check presentations, Um, you know, a gift from CPKC to that community to encourage all of those donations as well. So that brings the totals just for the holiday train program to $24 million dollars in the 25 years and 5.3 million pounds of food collected. Uh, and you see thousands of people would come to each show um, sometimes. And then, but like, the, like when you like really put it in size perspective, we would have towns of 200 people with crowds of 2000 showing up and each town and community would really get into it and do their own thing. So we were in North Dakota, uh, the firefighters of Enderlin uh, always bring us out to their potluck after that show for because we stopped for the evening there uh, and Minot, uh, they would do a big tree lighting or some folks would do fireworks. Um, at some of our stops in Canada, we had an indigenous drum circle. The Buffalo Boys opened this, um, opened the show for us. And I got the privilege to be inside the stage car for a lot of these. So I got to see the crowd reaction. And it was just stunning. Um, really cool to have that unifying experience, um, sharing, just sharing the holiday spirit and coming together. Yeah, that's it's really thrilling. It's like it, it's that legacy, that history, right? And combining the towns and communities together to remember uh, where transportation is is truly rooted in this industry, and, and uh, rail is one of them. That's for sure. Uh, going into the future of this event, what are you looking to expand on? Where are you hoping to see to grow this uh, into the next holiday? Sure, uh, more people. It's you know, it's a part of. The tradition for so many and i came into it really curious uh, from the outside i wanted to understand the programs the different trains how people reacted to it uh also i was going to be living in tight quarters with famous people uh for more than a week uh and then i was also going to be living on a train so all aspects of that i was a little you know apprehensive about but uh, so we were with uh dallas smith and mckenzie porter for my leg of the journey and their um their band members they were they were so down to earth and fun. We had a fantastic time. All of my, you know, initial thoughts about what was this going to be like were, you know, just a great experience. And of course, we had a professional chef, uh, Salil, who was a food bully. He made sure we got seconds and um, it, it was really great. So we were in the Royal Canadian Pacific Fleet and some of those cars date back to the 1920s. So uh, I had my own sleeper room with a shower, um, its own bathroom, and um, it... I found I could do yoga in the stage car because we had to keep it warm to keep the instruments protected. And doing yoga on a train is kind of like trying to do yoga on a paddleboard. Um, you get used to it, but it took two days after I got off the train to lose my train legs. It was so disorienting at night. I would like try to hold the bed to see if it was moving or not because it took a little bit to get back to uh, solid ground. It's uh, it's like the boats too, right? You have to, uh, to get your balance straight. I love that. Uh, well, that's awesome. I- I'm happy we're going to see that that type of expansion and that growth, uh, especially within communities. And like you said, if if you're going to towns that are small and you're seeing double the population, if not more, showing up, then I think that need is there, and the people are will respond to that growth too. So, uh, congratulations on this initiative. And and last question I have for you as we uh, wrap this up too, you know. 
being like CPKC is, is, is just combined again, big merger, a lot of opinions on it. Uh, I was happy to see it go through. And honestly, I think it's, I, I think it's going to bring some real competition and uh, some real value to the industry over the next couple of years. Regardless of that though, in your role, brand strategy, right? I can't, I can't imagine what, uh, a happier time for someone with your expertise to bring two legacy brands together and figure out how to move forward as one. What has that experience been like for you? And and what are your plans uh, in the role moving forward throughout the rest of this year? Yes, this is, I mean, we're a North American network. So we're combining three countries, which have three languages, French, English, Spanish, and those, you know, that diversity of culture, but really what we're bringing together is two legacy companies that had similar values, similar cultures in terms of prioritizing safety, service, uh, sustainability. And we were also the two smallest of the class ones coming together. So we had a lot in common. Uh, you know, of course, for our railroaders going into it, you're always curious about what's going to change and how that's going to impact me. But we have seen a lot of fantastic new programs come out of this as well. Uh, one of which uh, coming up this year is the opening of the CPKC Stadium, uh, home of the Kansas City Current. So that is the first stadium purpose built for a female professional sports team in the world. Uh, and we get to be there supporting women's sports like that. As an aside, I have two little girls, age nine and seven, and they we moved to Kansas City to support um this role. And so they were about to play their very first game of Parks and Rec soccer here. And I took them to a KC current game. And I can't tell you what it meant to know that my girls get to grow up in a world where women get their own stadiums too. Um, It's just, it's just so, so cool. No, I love that. I love that energy. It it is so cool. I mean, it really is. And that's, and that's uh, like pat yourself on the back because that's the work that you did, right. And the work that you've, you've been able to, to help and promote and uh, yeah, you, you should be proud of of them being able to grow, but the, I'm sure as they get older, uh, the, they should be proud of you as well and in the work that you've done to, to create this this atmosphere, right? Oh, it's so cool. We also um, support the CPKC. We get the honor of sponsoring the CPKC Women's Open. Um, speaking of women's sports, uh, this past year we also opened uh, in partnership with Community Renewal, a friendship house in Shreveport. So, it we are really getting to grow and do more together. And it's so neat to support, you know, this North American corridor and these railroaders. We work, you know, 24-7, 365. And something that I'm appreciating more now is in all weather elements, you know, out there. And we're doing we're doing such cool things. I like, you know, I know safety, you know, we're supply chain gals. It's always priority. And that is first and foremost at the railroad, of course. And, you know, service point A to point B better than everybody else. But when it comes to sustainability, I was introduced to our hydrogen locomotive program and that is real and it is cool. And it makes me think that, you know, there really is going to be, you know, we do a lot of things to support a greener future, but we've got such creative, intelligent railroaders making history and doing real, real work. Well, that's my favorite thing about a rail. And I think we'll see more uh, shippers take advantage of is it's already so emissions low, and the fact that you already know that as an industry, but you say, no, let's double down on it and let's get this down to zero, or at least look at alternative fuels is, is incredible too. So uh, again, 
thank you for all of your work. And, and for this, well, this show is wonderful because we get to introduce all the women in this industry from every corner of the supply chain to our audience. And again, you, I, you might be our first rail representative that we've had. So that means a lot to us here. If people are looking to reach out to you and learn more about uh, CPKC's initiatives, where can they go to, to learn more? Sure. Well, um, you know, social media is kind of tricky these days. You can find me most active on LinkedIn, I would say, but I, I sure appreciate being on here and maybe telling other ladies, come on into the railroad. The water's fine. Uh, but I can't let this opportunity pass without saying I get to support communities across North America, which I'm the most passionate about being cross-border for 11 years now. And be a part of history with branding the first transnational railroad. It's it's a dream come true. Well, you're doing an incredible job and I can't wait to hopefully talk with you in the future and see how it's grown as well. And uh, for our audience, uh, again, go check out everything that CPKC is doing. Reach out to Caitlin if you want to help out as well, or if you have any ideas or partnerships, I'm sure she'd like to hear from you. And uh, thank you again, Caitlin, for joining us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Kaylee. And yes, here we are, of course, with Jennifer Snyder, the Chief Legal Officer for Fluid Truck. And Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Super excited to have you here. Uh, we've, we have a lot in common. We both really love, of course, uh, checking out stars and, and checking out uh, the beautiful northern lights. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see some more someday. But outside of that, uh, you and I have talked about, of, of course, what Fluid Truck is doing. I've been able to write about the company a few times, and I'd love for you to dive into exactly what Fluid is doing for our industry. Yeah, so Fluid Truck is, and first of all, thanks for having me. I love your podcast and I'm so excited to be here. But uh, Fluid Truck is an app-based uh, commercial rental platform. And so we try to make it easy for the time star business owner to, at the click of a button, find the right vehicle for the right job. And we try to empower their business through um, easy access to commercial vehicles. Well, and we'll get into a little bit of how, how Fluid has grown over the last uh, few years, but I find your your career and your pathway very, very interesting. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the key milestones that you've been able to hit in your career and how that eventually led you to to this uh, position at Fluid Truck? Yeah, so I, um, I'm actually an attorney. And so when I came out of law school, I took the first sort of track, which is to try to be a litigator. And I just found it was not a good fit for me. I get too emotionally invested in my clients to see them be attacked, you know, in depositions and things. And so I actually transitioned and became uh, part of a founding team of a ringtone company. And that's where I kind of found my sweet spot. I'm really into creating consensus built um, business solutions for my clients and helping startups um, manage risk versus reward. And so uh, that's kind of my background. And what I love to do is learn new things, find new problems and solve them. And so I've been lucky to be a part of 13 founding teams and help found 13 companies where we listened to what customers needed and where their problems were. And we actually implemented technology-based solutions. Um, and it's just been so rewarding. And Fluid Truck is the, la the latest venture of that group of 13. That risk versus reward thing, because I've been a part of a startup in the past too, and you, a lot of times you're growing so quickly and you, you start off right with like very little resources and then you're into a position, especially, I mean, especially in transportation, there's when it comes to, you know, risk management's a huge part of it. What is that like for you working with, especially 
how do I put this? Entrepreneurs, right? Who are like so driven and so hungry and, and want to jump to the next step. Like, how do you work with them in order to not decelerate that passion? Because I think that's why a lot of startups get to where they are because of how fast they move, but also help them manage what could potentially hurt them in, in, in the long run with running their business. How do you manage that, that back and forth? Yeah, so I um I kind of had to learn the hard way. So um, I think it was the second. So the first business we had, I just did everything kind of by the book. It was music licensing. And so there was a really black and white formula for compliance. But with our second entity, our business, we were really breaking new ground. And I screwed up. I was too risk averse. And I cost the company probably a year's worth of growth in my mind because I didn't. I didn't have that balance perfected or at least honed in yet. And so with the trucking industry, it's been interesting because um, I constantly have to think about the lesson I learned with the other company. And it's, you know, risking 100% of a business is worth $0 versus, you know, taking on 10% risk for a business that could grow to be worth 100 million. And so I just, it's finding that balance where we can actually take the risk where we can't and where doing the right thing um, makes more sense than doing the completely risk averse, legally compliant thing. I mean, I don't want to break laws, but at the same time, if there is some gray area, let's do it in a safe and um, business uh, helpful way, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Totally. I, it's, it's, I, I, I love talking with you because I feel like sometimes I'm talking to, to myself. I, I've, I've been in those situations too where, and honestly, it, it's hard. It's, you know, it's hard to admit like where you, you might have went wrong. And especially in like, I've been a lot of like operational roles, like if anything, rule setting and, and putting in ways to kind of scale a business and, and do it so that, know all goals are achieved and when you are like when that's the kind of your role and i think a lot of women put the get themselves into these wonderful roles too you you're so used to like these little things going to every single box right or kind of that instructional mold and and to kind of push yourself out of that comfort zone and 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 trust the people around you to to do it something in an unconventional way can be difficult and and so uh i th i think that's great i think that's a great thing about um uh, moving on in your career and working with other teams because you get to learn that message and, and learn those lessons and then um, double down and like take what you've learned and, and do something better for the next one. So I think uh, if anything, I, I commend you for like being honest about, right? Like making these mistakes because I think it's how we learn. And I think a lot of times uh, women that we talk to uh, in this industry, like, they're so afraid of taking the next step in their career because of a mistake they feel like they've made in this one or, or just mistakes that they've made in the past. And it's like, no, like you have to, of course, admit those and move forward. And so I, I love that you bring that up. And I think that's, that's something that we definitely should all consider in all of our careers as well. And, and, I guess uh, as you've moved on into your different careers, especially uh, I love like this pivot into different industries as well. How have you maybe leaned on mentors or the people around you to to figure out where the next place is that you want to go or, or when to move on to the next endeavor as well? 
Yeah. So I feel I got really lucky, I think, with the first company that we founded. And we I got introduced to this um, mentor. He's one of the most savvy, brilliant financial minds I've ever met. And he has the greatest legal advice, even though he's not a lawyer. Um, and so I feel lucky because I always can go to him. But I also feel lucky because my CEO at most of the companies that I partnered with, um, I feel like he's a great mentor as well. And we really work well together. He takes feedback and he constantly helps me grow as a person. And so right now, one of the things I'm so when I talk about making mistakes, he's the one that's like, look, it's a mistake, but really more than anything, it's a lesson. Like, let's learn from it. Let's move on from it. Let's grow from it. Because, you know, some of the mistakes are the greatest lessons we've ever learned that will help us evolve. Um, and so I feel really lucky to have that, that, that person or that, that uh, management team that actually gives you the flexibility to take risks and screw up and learn from them and then just evolve and leapfrog where you would have been had you not recognized that feedback loop. Um, and so right now at Fluid, I think that's one of the things that I just, I think about, and I think our team's thinking about every day is like, what's in the best interest for our customer? And let's let that be our beacon and our sort of like guiding light. Because if we are always thinking and iterating for what's best for our customer, um, we'll know where we need to make change and where we can make improvements and where we can actually focus those lessons so that way we improve and iterate in a positive direction. I love that. Actually, that's kind of where my next question is going as well. If, as we look in at uh, the past 2023, going into 2024, what are some of those inspirations or, or trends that you're hearing from your customers that you're trying to implement into uh, Fluid's operations? Where where can, are we? Uh, pull, where what critiques are you getting from customers that you're now putting into the business model of, of what Fluid is doing? Yeah. So right now, I think a lot of, so every single month we sit down as a company and we look at our customer rating. So we actually look at that on a monthly basis and we look at positive and negative feedback and try to iterate our product. Um, I think that the resounding theme we hear is, uh, listen, like we're time stars business owners. We need everything you guys give to us to be uh, reliable in the manner we expect it. And if we don't, like we want you to make it right for us. And so I think what we're trying to evolve is how do we honor our customers' wishes, autom you know, automate, incorporate AI, so that way we can do things smarter with less resources, uh, do things faster. And um, I think we, we have a lot of growth opportunity. Um, and if we can help our customers grow their businesses by actually improving on our processes, scaling across the nation, growing our fleet larger. I think that um, we'll have a good 2024 and so are our customers. And that that symbiotic relationship is what's going to keep them coming back to us. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I, I was on the radio talking with someone the other day about like last mile delivery operations and, and how just like things like that have changed over time. And it's crazy because what you're offering is like a really simple way for people to become entrepreneurs themselves and, and start their own businesses and know that they can scale and have the the assets behind them available for that, right? And I think it's like, what I really love that you're contributing is almost 
it's like uh, back in the day, let's say you wanted to start a t-shirt business. Like think of everything you had to do to invest in that. Nowadays, you can get Stripe up and running, get your website up and running, uh, and uh, it gets samples printed, ready to go within 24 hours for probably less than a thousand dollars, maybe even less than 500 to be honest with you. And like that's what's really cool about Fluid is you're you're creating that same space for for uh, people looking to to build their own um, uh, fleets as well, right? And and be able to acquire customers all over the United States. So I guess that being said, like how do you how do you uh, envision kind of the the future growth of Fluid Truck and and its offerings and able to continue empowering those people, but helping them like kind of I guess, build their businesses to have even more offerings than potentially they have today. Yeah. So right now, I think our customers are in a unique position because interest rates are pretty high, which means to buy a vehicle is pretty expensive. And if you do have a vehicle that you've purchased and routes are getting shrunk, um, you're having troubles with employees. uh, I think the Fluid platform has the ability to not only help those business owners get additional vehicles without additional interest and CapEx burden. So they can actually grow their business without taking on more expense, more debt. But at the same time, if they do find that they've acquired too many assets, we offer a platform where they can actually list their vehicles, let other business owners use them, and hopefully it offsets some of that challenge. Um, And with the interest rates right now, that's just, that's on everyone's mind because the interest rates of vehicles, I mean, they've gone up tremendously. And so this is just a way where we can help offset on both sides. Um, And uh, I think it's a way we can help. We can grow as a business, but our customers can too. Well, kind of full circle, it goes back to like the the risk management, right? You're providing a de-risking solution for customers as well. And it's I'll tell you what, there's a number of trucker owner operators that bought those trucks when the market was great and are probably having the hardest time trying to de-risk some of those assets today, if anything, losing big bucks uh, on that situation. So the market that you're serving, uh, I think, again, that de-risking solution is is powerful as well. And that's that's like that on-demand capacity that makes this all really interesting too. I've got about a minute or so here. I want to ask you just entering this space and and being a a woman in an industry that's been uh, predominantly male and and I think starting to flip for sure over the last couple of years. uh, What are your thoughts on how different ways that we can recruit women into this space or, or roles that you're even seeing that women should consider if there's, you know, a woman woman looking to go to college or looking to get into business, what kind of opportunities do you see down the line for our industry, for them to, to apply to, to become a part of this, this great journey? Yeah. So I, um, I love the last mile space for women because I think it's a proven way with a lot of resources and tools out there for women to empower themselves with their own business. I think we can also recruit female employees because the last mile gigs have a lot of flexibility, especially for working moms, because you can have different hours, you can you know work different shifts, so that way you can actually spend more time with your family and be there and take more time off if you need to. Um, I also think there's a lot of funding resources out there for women who are starting their own business. And um, the last mile space, especially with the ability to start a business without a lot of capex burden i just i think this is just a tremendous opportunity and more and more women are getting into the space um i also think there's some really 
interesting initiatives in the trucking space like that, you know, Barbie, Barbies and trucking and some other things where there's some creative recruiting that's out there. And it's really trying to get more women to see trucking and just transportation as a viable like career choice. Um, but I do think we have to worry about safety concerns. We do have to worry about ergonomics and other ways that we can make it more appealing to women to actually enter the space. But I do think last mile is a great opportunity for women. Um, and we do have a lot of small and medium sized business owners that we try to um, shine a light on because they are out there and they're hustling and they're starting new things. And uh, the more we can empower them from our side, the better. Amen. Love all of that. And I think I agree. We've been down to like, I sometimes think about like technicians and like the electric vehicle space and there's so many different opportunities that are going to open up. I'm, I'm really excited to see how we continue to grow in this. Uh, Jennifer, where can people go to learn more about Fluid Truck and, and reach out to you as well? Yeah, fluidtruck.com. Uh, and um, we, we love like hearing from our customers, hearing from people that have good ideas and just want to help uh, us go truck. Yeah. Yeah, truck. Yeah, I love that. No, thank you so much, Jennifer. Appreciate it. And of course, I think you might be actually one of our, our first uh, legal uh, uh, um, people for us to actually interview. So it's nice to get some of that in here. And uh, and like we said to our last interview of the show. So thank you so much. And uh, for our audience, uh, it's back to, to Kaylee in the studio. Grace, that wraps it up. As I mentioned at the start, two full years of highlighting incredible women in the freight and logistics space. And I know that I said I wasn't going to make us pick favorites, but as we round it out, I got to know, is there still one interview, one guest, one person that really sticks in your mind as like this was the pinnacle of Great Quarter Gals? Uh, I do have one and I feel like we're going to say the same one. So tell me yours and I'll see if it is the exact same as mine. Who was your favorite guest that we had? Okay, this is this might be a little bit out of left field. I'm going to say that when we had Robin Hutchison on, when she was acting director of the FMCSA, that was one of the highlights for me because it was a really hard get. It was a really great interview. And she was that woman who was tapped into leadership. We got to meet her in person at the Women in Trucking event back in 2022. And that was definitely a highlight for me. And I like I know who your favorite is. So I just wanted to, you know, she's she's also one of my favorites, but I'm going to I'm going to give that honor to Robin for this one. You know what? And I, I like that one because now to see like sh her stepping out of the role is like kind of interesting to watch that episode again and see what happened now. Uh, I'm going to go with Shelly Simpson uh, live course. at our own Freight Waves event. Uh, it was an awesome interview. One of the first interviews I got to do live at, with Freight Waves and got to do it with you as well. And it's um, uh, an opportunity that I'm just uh, overly blessed to have had and um, a great relationship that you and I have both both built with her and the company as well. So that has to by far be the best one for me. <laughs> well, I love it. All of these episodes are going to live on on our YouTube channel, up on FreightWaves.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And it is genuinely with like the biggest and most sincere thank you that I send out all of the love, all of the gratitude to all of the women who came on our show, everyone who helped coordinate interviews, to those who we had to reschedule, to everybody who was here with us. Yep, give, give it up, give it up for those hearts. Grace, also massive thank you to you for taking this vision and running with it with me because I, I can't think of a better partner in crime to have been here on this show for the last two years. Let's talk a little bit about where we go from here. What are you still going to be up to on the Freight Waves Airwaves? 
Oh, busy as ever, and uh, still uh, looking to, of course, meet new people. So reach out to me if you're looking to be a, a guest on anything. We're uh, the stock out with Mike Bowden Distills. We're still looking into retail and CPG supply chains. Uh, I'm also going to continue to be on the radio as well, Monday through Friday, on uh, the Road Dog Trucking Channel. And uh, hopefully I can uh, take this segment and, and put it a little bit more. That's my goal is to kind of move this to the radio at the very least and, and continue to give women a, a space to, to introduce themselves to our audience so uh yeah go check me out either those those locations and writing as well so go check out uh of course uh my articles on freightwaves.com and you'll probably see a little bit more of that now that i have a little bit more free time in the week well you never know what's going to be down the road maybe keep an eye out for one of us or both of us at a conference or a show with a little camera on a tripod and we'll make great quarter great quarter gals live happen once again Thank you all one more time for sticking with us. We appreciate it so much. And of course, you can always find us up on FreightWaves.com. We'll miss you guys a lot. One, two, three, go! Oh!